Hi, welcome to Salty Therapy. My name is Tammy. I am a licensed clinical social worker with a private practice. However, this podcast is not intended to be used in place of professional treatment. It is intended for encouragement, information, and entertainment. Today, I find myself with a heart burden, and that is for the people that find themselves spiritually ill. This is an area that continues to show up in my clients' stories that is affecting their individual lives, marriages, children, and emotional and mental health. As a Christian, I must preface this podcast with the fact that I must speak to what I know and from my perspective, but that does not mean that you cannot glean some important points for yourself in your own life that may align with your belief system. So let's talk about getting spiritually sick. What does it mean to be spiritually sick? Well, in Proverbs 7.22, it says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Proverbs 15.13 says it another way, A heart full of joy and goodness makes a cheerful face, but when the heart is full of sadness, the spirit is crushed. An attitude, again, chosen. This is not an attitude that can be decided in the mind, but rather it is a heart decision. And this means that joy can always be present despite the external circumstances. So let's consider a moment that you may be happy. Uh, You may have planned a surprise birthday party. And somebody intentionally calls the birthday boy and warns him, about the party, and about the surprise he is getting ready to walk into. Well, now you've become angry and or disappointed, and at the moment, the happiness you were feeling, it's gone. Happiness can be fleeting based on circumstances. Now imagine being a young mother who has received devastating news about her health. She finds herself with peace Even though she hears the doctors tell her she won't survive, she laughs out loud as she plays with her children. She may even cry as she fills out birthday cards for the birthdays she will not be physically present for. There is deep gratitude that lives in her knowing that she experienced the greatest gift, which was to love and be loved, to bear children, watch them grow, and know that un that pure, unconditional love. She feels joy even when she is angry with the disease or scared of the process or sad about how it may end. The joy remains even in conjunction with these other feelings. This is the joy of the Lord. It's supernatural. We cannot manufacture it, but we can choose to receive it and abide in it. Remember I said that joy is a choice? That mother could choose bitterness, and there are many of you listening that would say that would be your result. But I ask, how does that impact her and her loved ones overall? How does that impact quality of life? What legacy does she leave behind? In John 3, verse 2, 
John is writing to a friend and sends a greeting speaking to his friend's physical health and that it would be good and allow him to prosper. But then he goes on to say that he prays his spiritual health would allow his soul to prosper as well. Physical and spiritual health, although can be dependent on one another, are independent. So I just want to review that verse for just a moment. With his friend's physical health, he was is praying that it would um, physically allow him to prosper, where John was praying that his spiritual health would allow his soul to prosper as well. So you see the difference there. So practicing mental health care, um, we often practice from a holistic point of view. I do, at least. I look at the whole person, physical, psychological, social, and spiritual. Physically, I'm looking at my clients and I'm asking questions about chronic health concerns or pain that may be affecting them in more ways than just physical. These chronic conditions could be a part of a puzzle where their depression is concerned. If I'm working with a man that is complaining about being lethargic or lack of motivation and loss of intimacy with his wife, I'm likely to recommend him to see his primary care physician to have his testosterone levels checked to help determine if these symptoms are related to the physical aspect or not. Now, psychological would be my area, mental and emotional health. I'm conducting full assessments, looking at many areas to include family of origin, the environment they were raised in, history of relationships, strengths and weaknesses, history of trauma and therapeutic interventions. I want to know what they like to do for fun or what they used to do for fun. What are their talents, their gifts? Are they suicidal? Have they had suicidal ideations? Do they engage in self-harming behaviors? All of these questions help me to form puzzle pieces that begin to form a picture of this person and where we can begin to work from to meet their goals and expectations. Now, social is the area that I would be referring to relationships. What relationships does my client have in their life? Are they fulfilling and respectful relationships Are they healthy or are they abusive? I would be interested in the client's pattern in relationships. Are they able to sustain long-term relationships? Do they have friends? What is their primary support system? Now, back to where I started, where is my client spiritually? Of course, as a Christian, I won't lie and say I don't think about my client's eternal perspective, but... As a social worker, I am respectful of each person's ability to make their own choices, but it is important to me that my client recognize where they are spiritually and understand that this does have an impact on the challenges they are facing. An example may be a client that I am working with that is struggling with unresolved grief and is questioning what happens when someone dies, or a client is angry with God for the experiences that they have encountered in life. This frequently happens when somebody had a traumatic experience from a negative sense with a father figure in their life. And when they think of God the Father, it's very hard for them to bring those two words together and and 
feel that they can trust God or that that God truly loves because they've never experienced love from a father in the past, and so they don't know how to reconcile that. Now, I do have to speak about spiritual warfare, and I know that there are some of you out there that are rolling your eyes, but stick with me, all right? I am not an expert or a theologian. I only know what God has revealed to me in my walk with Him for over 30 years and what I have found to be confirmed in His Word. And His Word is crystal clear that there is a spiritual warfare and that it is happening around us at all times. It started in the beginning with Adam and Eve and continues throughout history to include Satan attempting to tempt Jesus while he was in the desert for 40 days, and spiritual warfare continues today. Ephesians 6.12 states, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We have an enemy that seeks to destroy us. He wants nothing more than to create an eternal separation between you and the love and salvation of God. He uses man, illness, violence, the institution of religion, anything he can to pervert and twist and plant lies to drive a wedge between us and our Creator. The thing we have as Christians, however, is we have been given armor for this battle, and furthermore, we have already been given the victory that Christ won for us when He was resurrected on the third day, having beaten the enemy. So what does this all mean in application? Nehemiah 8, verse 10, the second half says, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This was spoken over the Israelites as they were weeping in repentance towards God, knowing that they had not been living their lives according to His will and were remorseful. But they were told, Do not grieve. They were wrong. They had turned their backs on God, but yet they were told, do not grieve. Why is that? Well, the grace and mercy of God had been bestowed upon them. He delivered them. He rescued them. God is love, and He wants nothing more than a relationship with you. He extends His grace and mercy and love because He wants to draw you into a one-on-one personal, deep relationship with you. I do not grieve that our bodies are broken because I know as a Christian that my body will be restored either here or in heaven. Either way, there is hope and blessing, hope eternal. You do not need to feel helpless if you are struggling with addiction. In the 12 steps, it is taught that one powerlessness over the substance and behavior, two, believing in a power greater than ourselves to restore us to sanity, and three, make a decision, a choice, to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. Remember that God that I talked about that's full of grace and love and mercy? Step three is saying, turn your will and your life over to that God. All of these are related to being spiritually fit. There is hope in a God that loves and saves and promises to those that follow Him that all things will work together for good. 
which we can find in Romans. Once again, above, I use that word choice. By choosing to humble ourselves and to submit to our Creator who knows and loves us better than anyone, we create space to experience true joy and the freedom that comes with that. There are many people that live difficult lives, whether financially, relationally, health, or in other areas. And I recognize that this is a difficult and tumultuous world we live in today. People are hurting. People are hurting one another. There is hate and violence happening all around us. It's happening in our homes, schools, places of worship. But this was never, never God's design. Remember that spiritual warfare I spoke of earlier? We do have an enemy. For those of us struggling and hurting, remember who our real enemy is and choose joy. Let joy stand in the gap instead of anger and retaliation. Let joy temper our speech. Let joy help to bring people to new understanding and fresh perspectives. Let joy heal our pain and sorrow. We were created with free will. God wants us to choose to be in relationship with Him and spend eternity with Him. But that same free will can be used to choose joy, choose forgiveness, choose compassion. In doing this, you can also experience freedom. So now I want to make some statements and ask some questions things for you to ponder when you think about being spiritually fit. Remember in the beginning when I said not being spiritually fit was compared to dry bones. There's not a lot of good stuff that comes from dry bones, and I suppose unless you're a dog. But for us, it's not helpful. I ask that you choose life. We were created to be connected to our Creator and to be in community with one another. This is an important point, being in community with one another. Think about in your mental health, when you have been depressed, or right now if you are depressed, your mind will lie to you and tell you that what you want is to be left alone. But if you really listen to your spirit, it aches to be seen and heard and understood and validated. But let me ask you this. Does pride and ego get in the way of forgiveness for others? Resentment and unforgiveness will steal your joy. Forgiveness is not about saying that the offense perpetrated on you is okay or that the person you are forgiving will be your new BFF. It is reclaiming your joy. It is evicting that power-sucking negativity that has resided in your heart for too long. No squatters allowed. It is time to clean house. Forgiveness may lead to reconciliation as well. So keep an open mind to that. You never know what God can do to a person's heart. So step four from the 12 steps that I mentioned earlier is when you would do a personal inventory, and that is to take a long look at your resentments and unforgiveness. 
and to also look where it is appropriate at what your part was in those incidents, in that resentment, in that unforgiveness. Does your pride and ego keep you spiritually sick and stop you from experiencing true joy? So if we look back at step four, and we think about when we're looking at resentments and unforgiveness, does our pride, does our ego stop us from recognizing our part in some of those situations, in some of those relationships, in some of that hurt? Another thing that is very common are religious hurts or church hurt. So many people have been hurt by man in the name of God. The problem is that the people that have been hurt, they want to blame God rather than hold man responsible. Churches are fallible. Mistakes will be made. And it takes time sometimes to find the right fit for you. But you have to first look to God. The man standing at the pulpit, the woman leading your Bible study, they are not God. They're going to misspeak. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to have sin that comes up in their life. That's not God. So be clear on that. Our spiritual fitness should not be related to man, but directly related to our personal one-on-one relationship with God the Father. If a preacher or a priest or a church has a perverted or has perverted the idea of who God is, go to God's book, go to His Word and read it, Old and New Testament, and learn for yourself. I remember having a pastor many years ago from the pulpit saying, I don't want you to believe anything I'm telling you because I'm telling you. I want you, I expect you to go home and look at the Word of God for yourself and be sure that what I'm saying is true. And man, that had a that had a huge impact on me because not only did I respect the fact that he was telling me to fact check him. But I also felt a sense of responsibility for what I believed and for why I believed it. So we do have to take responsibility for our spiritual fitness. It affects our lives in every way, as I said in the beginning, mental and emotional well-being, our physical health, our relationships, community, friendships, and even our jobs. More importantly, it affects how we see ourselves and how we fit in this thing we call life. Spiritual fitness can be the difference between joy and despair. We can't do this alone, and we have to be clear in what it is we believe in. I know what I believe, and I choose joy. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and give me a five-star rating and share it with your friends and family. If you have comments or suggestions for future podcasts, you can also find me at SaltyTherapy.com and at SaltyTherapy on Instagram and Facebook. Peace and joy. See you next time. (laughs) 